0: This program is part of the Infinite Potato Alliance. Visit us at InfinitePotato.com. Isn't it about time for somebody's favorite radio program?
1: Attention whoever you are, this
0: channel is reserved
1: for emergency calls only.
2: Do I sound like
1: I'm wearing a pizza?
0: Hold on to your butt. And here we go. From the historic Infinite Potato Studios, this is Cosmic Potato, the super fan talk podcast. Smoke and mirrors, guys. Welcome to the movie factory. Hasta la vista, baby. Join us as we dive deep into all fandoms and genres of cinema and television. Strange things are afoot at the Circle K. No gatekeeping. No! No toxic fandom The monkey's my fly out of my butt Now, only inches from a tall glass of Diet Mountain Dew Just give me something without any sugar in it, okay? Here is your host, Sean Ray It's Sean
3: Shawnee, you're feeling a little loose? Never the Sean dog, because that's just lame
2: And I've never been one to chase balls
0: Easy peasy lemon squeezy Alright, it was a miracle we go now.
2: Keep that change, you
4: filthy animal. Hey everybody, and welcome to Cosmic Potato, the Super Fan Talk Podcast. My name is Sean Ray. And I'd like to add to the argument of whether or not a hot dog is a sandwich by asking the question: Is a corn dog just lazy beef wellington? No. <laughs> Sitting across the virtual table from me is a man who is rumored to have the largest collection of dolls made from human hair. Rick, how are
3: you, sir? I am. I am uh, flummoxed. How you doing? <laughs>
4: Joining us also is Scott. How's it going, sir?
1: Oh no, clever intro for me. Is this because uh, I mouthed off during the last show during my intro? That's probably what it is.
4: And Chris is here as well. How's it going, <laughs> sir?
2: I have the largest collection of, of uh, radios made uh, with human hair so made with human hair there you go all right
3: By the way, in my defense they're all made out of my hair <laughs> <laughs> All
4: right we have a uh, we have kind of a fun topic for tonight so uh, we often have conversations about what things we would like see to see made into movies or TV shows. So let's just ask the question if you found a genie, And this genie only grants wishes based on media. What would you wish for? What TV show or movie would you wish into existence? What book would you wish into a movie form? What TV show would you wish for? What movie would you wish had never been made? That kind of thing. So we'll go around the table. You each have three wishes. So we'll, we'll we'll do three rounds. Okay, so... Rick, what would be your first wish if you had a media genie?
3: I would want Space Above and Beyond to get a full run of at least four or five seasons. Okay. Um because initially you asked Deep what cut, you know, shows like. that that didn't get their that, that got canceled too soon or or didn't get their their shot. Um Space Above and Beyond there were, there were actually a couple Space Above and Beyond and Earth 2 both came out, I think, in the same year or really close together. And both were on Fox and both got screwed around with their time zones, their 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 time slots. Uh and like Space Above and Beyond was shown out of sequence. Uh and or, or no, Earth Earth 2 was on? Anyway, they both got screwed over by a network that really didn't want to air them. Uh I I rewatched space above and beyond not, you know, within the last decade. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, it was, it was, I had a a student who actually had the box set of the one season it got and I rewatched it and it really holds up. It was a really good show. Uh, It was kind of, you know, the reboot of BSG before, (coughs) you know, before BSG came back, it was, it was just, it was a really good show. You know the the it, it was kind of the standard. Earth is under attack by these inscrutable aliens, and it follows a group of of space marines, um, and and it, it just it was a really good show, and all I remember I don't remember the exact details. I just know that uh, I think it was the 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 basketball thing that happens, the basketball championships. So it kept getting preempted for the basket, you know, cause this was long before there was internet streaming and stuff. Um, yeah. And it just kept getting preempted and moved around and you couldn't, and they showed it out of sequence. And, and you know, the, the, the pilot was not what the creators wanted to do. They, they were forced to do stuff in the pilot that they didn't want to do. And then after they, the pilot, they were like, look, we're going to make the show we want, or we're not going to do it. And they're like, all right, fine. And it it was just a really good show. Mm-hmm. You know? Go wild cards
1: it it had some some elements of the 90s that were present in most television that can get in the way a little bit of rewatches i did a rewatch i'd say like within the last like four years somewhere i also did a rewatch but if if you push past a lot of those like 90s tropes not even 90s sci-fi tropes but just 90s that you know hour-long drama tv tropes that's what you're dealing with and if you can push past those which isn't really too hard I, Rick is 100% correct. That show was was killer.
4: Fox has a uh has a history of it, it, they they hire writers that uh that write really interesting things but they're writing things that are going to be um they're going to be popular to a smaller market than what the executives at Fox want to cater to. So Fox, as a network, wants to create shows that are going to be watched by millions and millions of people every week. And but they're creating science fiction shows that are going to be popular, but they're popular to a smaller audience. And and then they and then they're like, well, we're not going to keep making this show. Well, you know, don't
3: it really seems like the they thing
4: could thing get their the first place. Yeah, it seems like they could get their ducks in a row the first time around because they've done this over and over and over. Because they did it with, uh, they did it with the Sarah Connor Chronicles. They did, it, they've done it with. Uh, what was the uh, um,
3: Sarah Connor Chronicles had a different problem, which we can talk about if you want.
4: Yeah, the writer's strike. Yeah, the writer yeah. strike happened too. Um, but even when it when it came back, you know, when it came back after the writer's strike, it just it, well,
3: it was it was a pale shadow of itself when it came back because it just nobody it, it just sarah connor chronicles was really good we we my wife and i watched it and episode nine was the season finale and we were all like what and it wasn't even you know it wasn't even a a, a cliffhanger or anything it was just it was just another episode and then we found out that was because of the writer's strike they only had nine episodes made um and then the writer strike happened and when they came back uh it just they it just went in this weird direction of them going back in time and getting separated and and just it was not the show it was before it had I, I mean you're I don't know what the network commitment to it was but when it came back after the writer strike it was not anywhere near as good as it was before they just totally yeah, lost the momentum
4: uh, Fox gets uh, they, they create a lot of really good science fiction things but i typically don't watch them until season two because i'm always afraid when season one comes out when i see that fox is doing it i don't want to get attached to this because i know what they're going to do you know there was a there was a a, a season a while back when they had two shows they had that they had uh almost human that had um, carl urban in it that I thought was a pretty good show. It was it was almost like a police procedural, but it was, it was set in the future and it had a lot of uh, the alienation type um, uh, type of stories that involved like racism and stuff. But instead of aliens, it was robots. You know, and so he, he had a robot partner and he had a robot arm and he had to deal with the fact that he was part robot and all that. And then, uh, and they also did a, a series a TV version of Minority Report that I thought was, It was pretty good what I saw of it, but then they forgot about that. They canceled it like six episodes in or whatever. And, uh, which I mean, minority report is not my favorite movie, but the TV it's like the TV show was working out some of the kinks that I didn't like in the movie, you know? So, uh, and they were doing it more of a, it was more of a police procedural type type thing, but with a science fiction, uh, aesthetic around it and stuff. But, okay. Scott, what would, what would be your first wish?
1: Uh, my first wish is I'm sticking with the the sample questions that you put out to us earlier. Um, so you were talking, about those are what,
4: just, those are just guidelines examples. You can examples? Yeah. You wish I, for whatever you want. Yeah.
1: I, I didn't think past that. If I think of something different, I'll, I'll do it later. But, um, it did occur to me when thinking of what would I like to see made into something. And I think a, um, a multi-season uh, prestige uh, television series would be a great way to adapt Joe Halderman's The Forever War. Has okay. anyone read this book? No. It's. I, I have to admit, it's been many years since I read it. I've uh, heard
3: of it. I've never read it, though.
1: The, the story follows uh, primarily one particular soldier but the way that wars are being fought in the universe of this book, um, the soldiers in traveling from one place to another, uh, Halderman uh, really pulls in a lot of you know, relativistic speed and suspended animation. Uh, so the soldiers are you know just aging only for the time that they are awake and fighting, but the the worlds and the planets around them are are moving forward at, at different rates so mm. for them they're fighting a war over uh, probably like say 10 years or so i'm i'm guessing again because i'm having to fill in a lot of gaps but 10 years for these soldiers are like generations for the the people that they're fighting for and they're seeing the the world and their family their friends changing drastically every time they come out of suspended animation and this type of narrative that deals with a quickly progressing timeline and and time period and setting uh it in thinking about it earlier today it brought to mind for all mankind which every season is moon taking show. place a, yes moon show, is moon taking show. Place
2: moon a show.
1: <laughs> every season is taking place a decade after the last one so we're seeing the big changes but we're still following these same people as they're as they're going about their business i think that telling a hard sci-fi uh war story in that format with each season being you know a particular story arc and then you come back next season and the the time period is different but our soldier characters are all the same i think that there could be a lot of mileage in that
2: it would Have, be interesting because they are progressively out of touch with the mission that they were given. So exactly, we are talking, it's three years for them. It's 70 years for the people that they're quote defending. That's yeah. That's heady. That's good. Yeah. Headly. Yeah. Headly <laughs> Lamar. <laughs> <laughs> and if they're
1: w- without doing too much of the legwork for, uh, the network's upcoming, uh, Upcoming podcast, uh, with the, the way they're handling it in in Moonshow shows that it. I, I seriously just called it Moonshow. It has a name <laughs> for all mankind. It's they, F- They're they're F- doing it well.
2: AMK <laughs> Fan F- K? I like Fanky.
4: Have you read? I love I love her and Taken. Yep.
3: Yeah. Uh- <laughs> Girl with the tank. Have you read? Any of y'all, just just, this makes me think of it. And I am not in any way endorsing the author.
2: Before before you say what it is, I'm going to say probably because I just want my reading credit to be, you know, that (laughs) good. So I don't know. I don't know. Uh, But I'm going to say probably
3: (laughs) uh, just because these books are really good, even though their author has become problematic. Uh, Mm -hmm. The the Ender books are. I I knew that's where you were
2: going. No, sorry, I've not read that. I I can't. I'm glad. I'm glad to have not read any of those. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm. It it's ve- You know, this is
3: this is one of those times where I'm like, this breaks my heart because the Ender, especially the first two or three, are well. Ender's Game is kind of y- you need to get through it to set up the universe. Speaker for the Dead is one of the best books I've ever read. Um. And they deal with this a lot. He he dealt with this a lot in that the characters, they don't, I don't think they do suspended animation, but they deal with the fact that traveling at relativistic speeds puts you out of touch with the universe for a lot longer than it feels like when you're on the ship. Yep. And that, that was a a
1: thing in the books and handled very well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There there was no suspended animation in there, but Yeah. yeah, the, the, the universe that Ender was fighting for in the first book is is completely different by the time he decides to actually land somewhere and and be a person on on a planet side
3: and his Um, his sister valentine becomes one of my all-time favorite characters in any book
1: series yeah she that it Amazing. I, I have to admit I had a little bit of trouble hanging in there for Xenocide and Children of the Mind. But those
3: were hard to get through, I'll grant you, yeah.
1: The, it, he was he was really leaning into like the Xenocide metaphysics in was that one. Rough.
3: That was yeah. real rough. But
1: <laughs> I and it took me a while to realize that uh the book he wanted to write was Speaker for the Dead. But then he realized that in order for this book to really work, he needed to do some setup and he did the short story for ender's game which then became a full novel and he wrote that just to set the stage for speaker for the dead and i arguably uh, ender's game might be better than speaker for the dead for some people i just found it more accessible but speaker for the dead is, is absolutely it it's it's philosophical it's deep it's incredibly well written and like you rick i have difficulty liking the series so much knowing what i know about the author but there it is. it's it's still a great series. And since those original four books, there's been I think like two, three more books in the Ender series, at least one of which possibly two uh, uh, tie it together with the later books in the Shadow series.
3: Yeah, I, did, I didn't read any of those. I, I would say folks, if if you can find the books like at a thrift store or something, not that not that your 795 is gonna matter to card one way or the other. But just for you know, I you
2: know it's like Chick Fil A is not going. It's already to, been sold. Yeah, he's yeah. not getting anything from a second market. So yeah, mm-hmm. so you know, I, I I the
3: books are awesome. If you can buy them without in any way supporting the author, go for it. <laughs> just I know this this is a this is a much longer discussion, and we've had it many times on many podcasts. Um, <laughs> anywho,
4: yeah. <laughs> I want I want to do I want to do a full episode of uh of how 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 do we separate the art from the artist. I'm all there. I keep put I keep putting it off because I know it's just people are just gonna get angry and start throwing things. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, what would be your first wish?
2: All right. I'm well, lowest of low-hanging fruit, quantum leap season six.
4: Okay. Of <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have there. a we have Quantum Leap season six. It just ended last like, yeah, uh, a
2: few months ago. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean. I mean. OG QL legacy season six. I want to see yeah. Sam leap into a baby. I want to see Sam leap into what? Magnum. I want to see <laughs> Sam. There was so many like guns.
4: The thing with Quantum, he's not making machines. that up. These are actual things. Yeah. That those are about actual
2: doing. things. Thank you, Sean, for defending that- me. I- he, they wanted him to leap into a baby. Yes. Yep. Yes. They oh, wanted him, him to leap into work?
4: a. <laughs> hey, they wanted him to leap into a cartoon.
2: Thank you. Yes, that was my next one, right? cartoon that, that yeah. I could get. And behind. Magnum,
4: Magnum PI. He yeah, wanted him to be Magnum PI.
2: So <laughs> there were scenes I saw <laughs> because Bell oh.
4: did both shows.
2: Oh, yeah, right. that yeah, so Don created Magnum and created Quantum. And there were scenes, um, that I saw at cons that I went to when I was selling my book, and after I sold my book, where you saw shots of Scott looking over his shoulder, aka Magnum, that's what he did with the eyebrows, doing the blah 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 with the eyebrows, yeah, and uh, yeah. And then there was one of Scott looking over his shoulder, twerking the eyebrows with a giant freaking walrus mustache on his face. (laughs) Yeah. So I want to see the Magnum Leap. I want to see the baby leap. I want to see the cartoon leap. I want to see Quantum Leap season six because season five was such a game changer. Like if I had to say like late season three, all of season four was maybe perfect Quantum Leap. Season five, they changed it up because they had to. It was a network show. They need to get more viewers. They need to, like, just, you know, just give it some kind of juge, right? Like, like, just give it some kind of panache. So they did a whole bunch of things that Don Bellisario said, I'll never do this. Like, literally, his quote was, Sam will never leap into Lee Harvey Oswald. The yeah. season five opener, Sam leaps into Lee Harvey Oswald. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. So I'm thinking like, so when they could get past all of that bullshit where he's Elvis, he's he's with Marilyn, he's, you know, he's Civil War Bigfoot. It's so gimmicky, so great UFOs. Season five, Evil Leapers season fives, Bigfoot. Yes, he he didn't leap in the Bigfoot. He didn't leap in the Bigfoot. It 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 Bigfoot It was ostensibly a Bigfoot episode that had almost nothing to do to do with Bigfoot until the very, very end. Was Andre the Giant playing Bigfoot? No, I think he was dead <laughs> at that point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As is Dean Stockwell now. R.I.P. Dean. Um, <laughs> but I would love to see what they might have envisioned. And what makes me so... Uh, I want it this bad because Mirror Image is like maybe, maybe my favorite, my second, third favorite episode of Quantum Leap. It was the series finale. It changed... Everything it like completely redefined what Leaping was about, why Sam was out there, and then if they could say that this they set this up as both a series finale and a season finale to maybe go into six, I want to see how do you backtrack that shit because oh my god, Mirror Image was a game changer. It just, it completely shifted everything you knew about the series. So if you can say, okay, then, oh, we're going to get a season six. How do you fix that? And then go back to the formula that we're all used to. Even though we have a cartoon leap, a baby leap, a Magnum leap. Also in universe with quantum leap, Magnum was both a, Fictional TV series that you saw on a TV on screen, and they were living in the Magnum universe because Sam's sister literally married a character from Magnum. So yeah, I remember so how do you yeah. reconcile that? You know? <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, it's not like Magnum was particularly fanciful. I mean,
2: it was just a PI in Hawaii who had a nice car. No, so. but here's what it he was saying: when 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 Sam says, Oh, Katie, who is his sister, married Jim Bonnick." Jim Bonnick is a Magnum character. And then two seasons later, Sam is watching Magnum on TV and saying it's going to last (laughs) for another five seasons or whatever. It it was the
1: the, the Magnum characters were both real in universe and they were a fictional television series at the same time that, yeah, that, yeah, that's kind of strange. I always felt that season five of quantum leap, uh, they decided to, as, as from what I've read, uh, Ron Moore would do this with Battlestar, which is you, know, you get things in a particular place, which they did by the end of season four, and then just throw the chessboard.
2: You know what? You, you, Scott, you remind me of um, what Jackson Public said about um, Venture Brothers. Mm-hmm. We have all this great lore built up. Now I want to put all that shit, put it in a corner, and set it on fire. And where do we go from here? Yep. And I feel yeah. like Quantum, <laughs> Quantum could have benefited from that. So...
4: The mustache thing would not have been that wouldn't have worked, though, because Sam they never were, has the facial hair. Of the
2: there, were two, there were two. There were two. There were two takes on that where Sam looked over his shoulder without the mustache. And then he looked yeah. over his shoulder with the fake Walrus mustache. It was hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he did the with the eyebrows. Yeah. And the Hawaiian shirt. Yeah. It was. I mean, the baby, yeah, so. the
4: baby thing. I think the baby thing is kind of dumb, but. At the same time, if the wrong stuff works, then I don't see why the baby thing wouldn't work. I mean, right. they, they I could mean, can make it
2: gonna, work. You're going to do a di- diaper monkey. And yeah, I think you honestly <laughs> just like literally just step back. I mean, we're all fans. We all love it. I wrote a f- 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 book about it. Quantum leap is so dumb. Like, everything about it is so dumb. There's this brilliant physicist that leaps into a doo-wop singer. Okay. I mean, yeah. it makes no sense at all on any level, but it's the greatest show ever. So if they're going to push the envelope, if we can to have a season six where it's going to go totally gonzo, I thought season five was gonzo. Just listen to the ideas for season six. Yeah. You know? So I would want that. Let's turn the okay. into a lungfish. What the hell?
4: <laughs> <laughs> my first wish would be: um, I wish that they would make remake World War Z, and actually base it on the book.
1: Yeah, do it because right. yeah,
4: yeah. So I love I I love the zombie genre, and I, I Night of the Living Dead is one of my favorite movies. Uh, I've I've watched every episode of The Walking Dead. I know that. In my opinion, it never got bad. A lot of people say oh, it got bad after season three. Um, I hear all the problems people say with these kinds of things and I get them, but I love this stuff. And and I read a book about 20 years ago called World War Z. And it was written by Max Brooks, who is the son of Mel Brooks. And yes, that Mel Brooks. And um, the book is fantastic. It was not a novel. It was a it was written as a collection of interviews, that the author was doing with people who had lived through the zombie apocalypse. And Mm -hmm. it had been a long time since the apocalypse had happened. The world was kind of getting back to normal. And the author was talking to all these people and they all had a different take on what happened because some of them were just regular people um, that was just telling a story of what happened when their family members turned and stuff like that. Or they were scientists that knew about what caused everything they were or or some of them were in the military and could tell stories about the actual war and how they stopped it and the stories took place all over the world different perspectives it was really an exceptional book but the movie was just they made a movie with Brad Pitt and it was just a standard run-of-the-mill zombie movie and I mean it was a decent movie but it was not an adaptation of that book it was completely different and they changed them into the fast running jumping zombies right yeah the book book was supposed to be right yeah yeah, the zombies were in the book were the slow moving shambling romero type zombies Mm -hmm. you know so
2: return of the living dead like gave you those fast moving zombies those like flying tackle zombies which yeah, because the, yeah. the that's the, the first nine, time I the, saw that, them anyway. That movie, Return the Living yeah. Dead
4: Zombies, could the Return to Living Dead Zombies could talk and stuff, right? So Yeah, the, and uh, I
2: love that's also my favorite zombie movie of all time. So yeah, so, so I have Jeff a bias.
3: I, my friend Jeff and I went to see that movie. I mean, it's it's well documented. I don't do horror. I don't like zombie movies, but they advertise that like like a comedy, and I guess. In a way, it is. I'm sorry, Rick. That movie is hilarious, but it's also <laughs> gruesome. It is also it's hilarious.
2: Hey, yeah. And and yeah,
3: probably if I would had been more into the genre, I, I could have appreciated, but as it was, I you know, I thought we were going to see a silly comedy and I came out traumatized.
2: I can tell you this. I saw Return of the Living Dead more in my 15th summer than I think I listened to the album Historia by Def Leppard in my 17th summer. And that was the <laughs> biggest album of my 17th Wait, summer. So you saw you saw Return of the Living Dead at 15? Yeah, I think it was 85 that came out, right? Uh, I saw it uh, in the theater and then we
3: scream R. How did you get in?
2: (laughs) Ah, I have my ways. (laughs) (laughs) Sean, look it up. All I know is I was in my mid teens when that movie came out and I saw it in the theater like two or three times and we loved it. Like stand up cheer, loved it. And then we watched it the entire summer after it get it got out on VHS. I mean, so the, the, it was you know, the it young was lady who spent the movie. whole movie naked. I appreciated. Yeah, nineteen eighty-five. Yeah, Leanna Quigley. Yeah, so I saw it in the movie theater <laughs> when I was fifteen, and then we watched it my entire sixteenth summer. I'm older yeah. than you. You are okay. I didn't. I, by, I, yeah, I, no, by years. So I'm nineteen seventy. Oh, okay. So I'm 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 six years older. Okay. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. Anyway, I'm sorry, Sean. No, no, no. <laughs> but I digress. No, it's fine.
3: Yeah.
2: <laughs> um, but yeah, so I mean, World War Z, World War Z. Yeah, I read and the it, book and
3: actually, and it's it's a oh, really, really okay. good book. I yeah, I love the, that the, book. And the audio, Max the audio, audio book, is wrote great. that. Well, that he actually wrote two.
4: He actually wrote two books because around the same time he came out with the like the zombie survival guide or something like that. I think it was written as a serious, yeah, I think that one came out first. And then uh, it was written as a serious like survival guide, like this is how you survive the apocalypse. And then, and then the World War Z came out after that. And when I heard that they were making the movie, I got really excited because I thought that they were going to make it as a uh, to look like a documentary.
1: Yeah, exactly. exactly
4: and maybe have uh you know cinematic segments where they're telling people are you know, flashing back and telling their stories or something like that. Uh,
3: and I wish there that like that's one, what they made it. Wasn't the book set up there was like one person who was going around the world interviewing the people?
4: Yeah. Yeah, it was the it was the yeah. the the author. I don't know if it was yeah. supposed to be Max Brooks. I don't remember if he had a name. There wasn't really was a just, main character. Just, yeah.
3: But it was just it could have easily been Tied together cinematically with, yeah, one person going around the world and interviewing people. They yeah, could and have you, done it that way too. Yeah, yeah. You
1: don't even necessarily need to see the interviewer. You could you could adapt the book to film as a straight up full documentary style, where it's just the people yeah. you're talking to on camera, giving their answers to questions, and you don't hear the questions being asked by the interviewer. So the interviewer can be a, a complete non character, and they still could have presented everything that was in the book. They could have done it in movie form would have been goddamn brilliant.
4: And I wish they would still do it, but now uh, they announced a while back world war Z two. And then they came out and said that they're not making that, you know, because everything that they've announced in the last five years, they've come back and said, no, we're not making that. (laughs) We're getting a clean slate. (laughs)
3: You know what it reminds me of? And I, I don't know if any of you even heard of this movie back in the, in the mid to late seventies, there was a movie that came out called Damnation alley. Uh, which took place in like post-apocalypse earth, you know, blasted Heath sort of thing. And, uh, Oh, I forget the teen heartthrob at the time that was, that was, that played the main character, hell Tanner, Dan, uh, Michael Vincent. That's the one. Thank you. Jan, Michael Vincent. I'm sorry. You remember
1: George peppered George Pappard. Yep. Hard. Peppard. Um, there you go. And, and the,
3: the...
2: My,
1: my, my dad was big into airwolf. Of course I know Jan, Michael. Oh, Vincent. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um,
3: the the you know he had this this you know arc two kind of van and he's driving across <laughs> the, he has to get vaccines from the east coast to the west coast and there's nothing but you know hell gangs and and terror and giant scorpions and shit in between, um, and I saw it and even as you know a teenager I was like wow this is a real piece of garbage, um, <laughs> and then I found out that one of my all time favorite authors Roger Zelazny wrote the book. And I read the book, and found now if you're, I, I don't know if you, if any of you know Zelazny. If you know, if you've ever heard of the Chronicles of Amber, the Amber books
1: were Zelazny. Um, I, I I know the name. I haven't read any of his stuff. I almost picked up, I think, I almost picked up the Conqueror series last time I was at the used bookstore, but I I passed I'm, on him.
3: I'm not familiar with that one, but I will recommend one of the best. Not he writes, he wrote a lot of short stuff. He wrote a lot of. You know they weren't quite novellas but they were you know real short novels um the the, the chronicles of amber the amber books are fantasy ish uh they they take place you have got this this world called amber and there are there are there's the royal family of amber and the, the main characters that you, you follow in the in the first books is is prince corwin and every other world of reality is a shadow of amber and so a lot of it takes place on current on current day earth because that's Carwin's favorite shadow. Um, and it's sword and sorcery, but it's also modern and it's not, it's not really, it's not like I saw my whole village raped before me, and then I became a slave, and now I'm you know gonna become a prince or stuff. It's it's really good stuff. I I really love the books. Um, but he also wrote some incredibly good other stuff, and um he wrote Damnation Alley which takes place in a post-apocalyptic earth. And the main character's name is Hell Tanner and there's a van. And that's where the similarities between the movie and the book end. Yeah. Yeah,
4: There's a lot of movies that come out based on books that the, that the movie is a lot different, but a lot of times that's because, I mean, books and movies are not the same thing. And sometimes you have to adapt. Uh, You have to adapt. There's
3: adapt. And then there's, Completely, just steal completely the redo, and, yeah, yeah,
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because, like, if you if you watch the if you watch the film of Mash, if you've ever read the book, it's a lot different. But that's because that book is not really filmable. It's not really I... written as a as to, to be a a movie. So it has so <clears throat> there's adaptation, and then uh but then what they did with World War Z is just it's on. It's not really a different genre, but it's just, it, I mean, it's completely different. It's, it's almost, if the movie had been based on a novel, that would be different. But the, World War Z is not a novel. You know, it's fiction, but it's not a
3: novel. Well, so, have any of you watched uh, the Foundation series?
4: Not yet. No, I haven't.
3: No. Okay. Um, because that's, that's an interesting, because I finally watched it uh, last month. Um, I am a huge fan of the Foundation books. Isaac Asimov wrote them in the 40s and the 50s. You know, they are, you know, required, required reading, required reading uh, for any, any serious, uh, you know, hard science fiction fan, especially if like, oh,
2: stop it. (laughs) Yeah, well, you say that, but I haven't read them and I I think I'm well read. So just because Um, you read them and I didn't. No, it's not. That it's makes not, you better. But I was about. I was about. To <laughs> I read know. the original mesh You guys were just talking about. Yeah, but that's not science fiction. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but uh, I still read it, so I'm better than you. So there yes, you, you are. are. And you're I bought it at the Smithsonian. I will. Okay. I will grant that. Um, what I was about to say was,
3: Chris, you're probably the only one of us here besides me old enough to remember the science fiction book club.
2: Yes, and I still probably have books still over the uh science fiction <laughs> book club. Yeah. And that's how I know the books are worth nothing because <laughs> you look on and you say you see like a little like a, like a little uh square on the spine where you know it's a book club edition. Book club editions are worth garbage. Yeah. So, but I have several editions from the science fiction book club, so. But
3: the reason I bring it up is yeah. because when you signed up to the science fiction book club, you got free
2: the foundation trilogy, the dragon riders of Pern. Yeah. And I think Dune. Yeah, I don't know. I never was, um, but I feel like it's the same thing where you had like the like 12 cassettes for a penny. Yeah, it was exactly yeah, yeah. the same yeah. thing. And yeah. Columbia, I, I'm sure I, that I, I have I I still have my <laughs> Dark Straits Columbia House. It was yeah. the yeah. Their first Dark Straits album with Sultan's a Swing on cassette. Yeah. And, I still yeah. owe Columbia House
4: like 40 bucks. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> I, I do, I do still think not that it makes me
3: better but i think that any anyone who who likes science fiction should at some point read the foundation trilogy i
2: tried i really did it just kind of bored me i, I that I, i'll give you that okay also that, the that's... first honestly and i feel like the first few <coughs> stories in those are of like white uh engineers talking about how they can get over on whatever Yes, and it is just it is very, very specialized niche and boring, just boring. <laughs> so I don't know where you go from there because I tried to read like the first two or three stories and I'm just like, this is not speaking to me in any way. And I'm like an entitled white douche. <laughs> this should be my shit. It should be my shit. And I, I can't even get on board with this. Okay. And I'm maybe. a whiter than anybody I know. Besides maybe you.
3: <laughs> all right if, if you tried to read them and it didn't work that's that's fine that's that's totally groovy um but anyway the reason i bring it up is because when i heard that they were doing a series i was like there is no way they are going to be able to put these books on film because they are as you said l- let, let's be generous and say not cinematic yes yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah um but the changes they've made, and I, and I'm not saying I, I enjoyed the series when I finally watched it, but I think not being familiar with the source material would actually be a benefit in enjoying hmm. the Foundation series on Apple Plus. Then maybe I'll watch okay. it, and, <laughs> and I, yeah, I, I, I would like to hear your opinion on it because I can't be objective about it because I am so busy trying to find the threads of what the books were. Uh, And, you know, some of them were really great. Some of them, especially when he moved back in the 80s and tried to do some prequels to try (laughs) to to clean up some of the mess he made. Ouch. Uh, (laughs) uh, Because Asimov was really great at ideas, wasn't so great at people, especially if those people were women.
2: I mean, who was in the 60s? Besides, you know, women. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe uh DC Fontana. Um but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mercedes Narkey right. or Andre Norton. Yeah. Uh, I want wanted I wanted to jump in and go back j- just for a moment
1: uh to what I said Rick about the the Conqueror series. Yeah. I was wrong. That was not Zelazny. It's my mistake. I was looking in the Z's at the used bookstore. The Conqueror series was Timothy Zahn. Ah, very different. So lot, I I still Zelazny yes, very so much good. know I, I yeah, know. You, you were asked by name but when I brought up. I haven't read his stuff, but I was just I was transposing the authors' names and talking about
2: the books. Yeah, Timothy's on. Whoa. Yeah, no, he's Star he's Wars author. Fucking... Yeah, I know. Sorry. I know. Mm-hmm. Rick. I get it, Rick. And uh, I will say you... this, Scott, like Zlasy, like I love all of his stuff except the Amber stuff, and that's like what he's known for. Oh, you say, but I love the Amber Zlasny, stuff. Did but you read Zlasny Lord of Light is so good. I did, and I didn't oh, like it. I love Lord of Light. It's I don't brilliant. like Lord of Light. I don't. You don't? Yeah. <laughs> I do not. I read it. I, I, I got through it, is how I feel <laughs> like it. And because I read, like, maybe four or five other things by Zlasny before I read Lord of Light, I feel like he is such a good science fiction author. Don't try to, like, give him some, like, epic thing. And I know Lord of Light was his thing, but, yeah. I mean... I had a, yeah, uh, my friend's daughter was, she's like, you're reading The Lord of the Light? And I'm like, no, it's not Lord of the Rings. It's just Lord of Light, you know? It's just like,
3: Lord of of Light. I was going
2: to recommend it. It's a brilliant novel, and I would not.
1: Tune in next month for our new podcast, I Sci-Fi Better Than You, starring Rick and Chris. (laughs) Sean, who's next?
4: (laughs) Rick, uh, what would be your second wish?
3: <laughs> okay. Uh, as as y'all were talking, uh, I, I did a little reprogramming because I wasn't I wasn't thrilled with my list anyway. So um, there is actually a book series. There's only four of them that I would love to see done as a mini series. Could not be a movie because it's way too it's way too big to do in one movie or even two. And I'm not going to touch Dune. I think. Villanueva, or whatever, however you pronounce his name, I've, I've heard it pronounced really weird ways. Um, I think he's doing as good a job as you can. I think Dune just really should not. I mean, I, I enjoyed the first one, I'm looking forward to the second one. I just don't know that it's possible to do Dune justice on screen. Um, but I would love to see you know, uh, a network, uh, I don't know which one it would be, but uh, uh, take dan simmons hyperion books and turn them into um uh you know a multi-season miniseries.
2: have any of you read hyperion or fall of hyperion no no but i'm looking for a new series all the time so dude they are so good um can you um like compare it to like uh um keep going i'm sorry I'll well, okay. I, I, yeah. I was I was about to say the 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 Hyperion books. I finally I remember the author this second, Robert Charles Wilson. Like, have you read Spin, Accelerando? No, that was Charlie Charles. But Robert Charles Wilson, I think, is like great for like hard sci-fi. I'm I and I, it with I've I've read them. the Hyperion books. Like, I've I've seen them but I haven't read them. So it's like, I want to know. Here's the thing is Rick, I've been burned since by so much golden age science fiction, which is supposedly like it is the, the seminal, like the cornerstones of the genre. No, and then they, you those, read it. Those and it's so it's so awfully dated. It, so yeah. it's, it's yeah. I can't get through it. So, and Dune but, is one of those, like God, I I'm so, bleep it out. I hate dune it's the worst (laughs) it is so boring and awful and dreary and dreadful and (laughs) dune anyway (laughs)
3: see i read i read dune in my early 20s um okay when i was in high school uh i there were three literary giants that terrified me because i a lot of my friends were way smarter than i was and, and I was like that. I, I like surrounding myself with people who are smarter than me because then I don't have to think as hard. Um, but foundation was one. Uh, the Lord of the Rings was one and Dune was one. And then I read the Lord of the Rings. It took me a couple of times to get through it, but then I read it and I was like, all right, that was, that was kind of fun. Could have done with some editing, but it was fun. <laughs> um <laughs> Then I read Foundation, and I was like, "Wow, this was simplistic as hell." Uh, You know, you kind of have to put yourself in the in the the time frame when these books were made. You know, at the time they thought atomic energy was going to solve all of the universe's problems and stuff like that. So, um, and then I was like, "All right, well, I guess it's time for me to read Dune." Oh oh, no, what happened was the movie came out, Lynch's movie came out, and I watched the movie, and after it, I was like, "What the fuck was that?" (laughs) And so then I picked up the book and I read it and it is my all time favorite book. I reread it at least once every couple of years. Really? Yeah. I love it. Right. Um, I, I I appreciate that there are problems with it. Of course, you know, no, no book that was written in, you know, the, the, the early sixties is going to stand up to, to complete. All uh, right. Yeah. I
2: tell it to a, wiz, a wizard of
3: earth. but anyway, yeah, I, I, that I one ch- holds up. Yeah, I, mean, I tried to read those, and I just, I just couldn't get into them.
2: But, but you're only going to I didn't, fight. We're going to I have did, like. Well, I didn't read them at the cuffs. right time. I read <laughs> you're going them to be like as, June. I'm going to be like Ursula. We're <laughs> going to fight. <laughs> it, I think a
3: lot of these books. It, it depends on when you read them in your life. I read Catcher in the Rye at 37 and thought it was the stupidest book I ever read. Thank you.
2: I read Catcher in the Rye <laughs> when I was 19. I'm like that douche Holden Caulfield is an asshole he's a <laughs> Fucking asshole. Oh my god, what a goddamn piece of shit that kid is. Yeah. Just you know what? Go out and experience the real world, and you you don't care where the ducks are in the winter in Central Park. Yeah. Douche. Anyway. Hey Sean. I'm hey, not Scott, what edit- would
1: wall- wall- oh. Scott, what would be your second <laughs>
2: episode? Anyway, my, my, anyway, my second, wish,
3: my
1: second wish would be to not edit this episode. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Hyperion is loosely based on it's it's kind of like a combination of of uh the uh, Chaucer's um Canterbury Tales but set in a distant future where you've got this planet called Hyperion and on this planet are these things called the time tombs and they move backwards through time and there is a there is a being there called the Shrike who is maybe a robot maybe a life form maybe both maybe neither uh and pilgrims go to the time tombs each hoping to find some some uh some absolution or revelation or something and usually they end up in, the shrike is just this chrome monster just made out of spikes and and pain and there, there's like a, a, a galactic war about to happen. It's it's kind of like this this setting really doesn't matter. The, the 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 universe it creates is just a backdrop for these six or seven pilgrims who are traveling to the time tombs that are about to open, and each one of them has their story, and it's it's pretty grim. You know, it is not happy star trek everybody lives happily ever after kind of thing um but it is one of the most well-written books i've ever read uh but it's very deep and it's very long and it ties into john keats's poetry it predicts the internet uh and uh there an ai and stuff like this and this was these these were written back i think in the in the the late 70s early 80s but they don't they're not they don't feel dated like a lot of that a lot of the science fiction from that time does and i think now would be a perfect time for hyperion to be done as a min as a series um but it would have to be done faithfully and not with a bunch of network suits going well you know we need to have some tits in here and uh <laughs> I mean, you know, maybe I someone has to have a cute robot or something
2: i'm a fan of tits I am too. Mm-hmm. Also, when the, it, especially <laughs> when they're on cute robots. <laughs> but that would—that
3: is my, not be going to wish. be the
4: episode title this week.
3: <laughs>
4: <laughs> I'm not calling this episode "Cute Robot Tits."
3: <laughs> but that would—that would be my my wish. I would love to see Hyperion done as a series, but done right, done well. Okay. That's All right. a long way to get there. I'm going <laughs> Scott, what about
4: you? What would be your second wish?
1: Uh, <clears throat> well, I want to uh, just quickly amend my first wish by saying another thing that I would like to see adapted would be uh, the Epic of Gilgamesh. I don't even really care exactly what form. It can be a, a, a full-on period piece from... You know, way back in the Babylonian days, or they can set it in some you know neb- nebulous, uh, you know, quasi future where there's tech mixed with magic, mixed with mm. uh, axes and swords. I would like to see a good adaptation of the Epic of Gilgamesh, just because it, it's one of those things that I like. It's kind of like a hobby of mine. I've got like a dozen different uh, uh, translations and and versions of That's the story up there awesome. on the bookshelf.
3: I have one, um, so Scott, you, you and,
2: you and I will add you, we'll, you can't we'll you
4: we'll just touch redo base. your first wish. You can't just redo your first wish. No,
1: I'm I'm adding to it. Um and Chris, <laughs> Wait, what one of my <laughs> translations of Gilgamesh is in Klingon.
2: Well, so wow. That's, that's the rest of my in first the wish. Original Klingon A. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now, I get to um, I have my, problem my problem penguin top edition, nerd here, Thanks. And um <laughs> I have it on my book, I have it on my nightstand. It's like the one that I want to read. Mm-hmm. but i'm so busy reading other stuff where like it's it's a perennial on my list like reading the iliad reading the odyssey i want to read the epic of Gilgamesh because do
1: you, do you know who wrote the translation that you
2: have i'd have to go up and get it and okay, act, okay. i actually i could not know you know what scott simple answer at this point no for the All sake right. of the podcast no
1: Alright, so sometime off mic, go check it and let me know, and I'll yeah. let you know if I have it I'll let you know if it's good. Uh, but my actual second wish, things that um, I, I think Rick hit this with his with his first wish, things that got cancelled too soon that I wish would either come back or could have been continued. I've talked about it many times on this podcast, I've got two answers for this as well I've talked about it many times on the network uh, Kings The I believe it was NBC that did yeah. one season
2: That was of- the Bible one, right?
1: yeah the story of king david starring uh, uh ian mcshane susanna thompson God
2: damn it yeah Sorry, King um, david yeah
1: and uh, well the, the sebastian stan that's right he was in it as well um that the yeah, way they awesome. chose to adapt it i with a a fictional um kingdom in modern day you, you got fictional kingdom names you got uh uh characters that they that they made up for but it's a very loose retelling adaptation of the story of King David and that season of television was phenomenal and no one bloody watched it which is a shame it was some of the sharpest television writing that I've ever seen especially in 2009 and Ian McShane absolutely kills it Brian Cox is a supporting character that just chews up the scenery every single time you see him and it's amazing I love going back and rewatching. well
4: that's Brian Cox Brian Cox has scenery three times oh, a day for oh, yeah, breakfast, lunch, and dinner,
1: breakfast, yeah. lunch, and dinner.
4: Um,
1: <laughs> the, the other thing that I would like to see come back, and this is, you know, conditionally, because it has to be done well. If they could do this with at least as much care and craft and, and polish as they did with the first season, I would 100% be down for a second season of HBO's Watchmen. Oh, yeah.
2: Oh, if, yes. I I never finished it. If
1: man. they do it. Dude. If they were to do it well.
2: How did it you start it and good? never finish it? I think I had uh, Max for a while and then it like dropped away. And now I have it again for the first time in months or maybe years. So,
4: yeah. I, mean, I don't I, think it's on there anymore. I think that's one of the ones that went see, away. I don't, think
2: I, can, I don't think I can watch it anyway. Because so. I could see. Oh, you know, I've got ways for you to watch it. it but. Whoa, I know it's you know we got, it. we got we sc- got Scott TV, but I will say this, Scott. Um... Anyway, Every
1: every finish on. it. Finish <laughs> it. It is so good. Yeah, th- that's that season of and television. It finishes. Watchmen. You
3: don't. It it doesn't end in a way that you're like.
1: Where's why aren't they finishing
3: two? it? They they finished it.
1: Yeah, it has a beginning, a middle, and an end. And a season two wouldn't even have to necessarily continue on the story and the characters that we saw in season one. In fact, it would be better if it didn't. Yeah, it would be better if they found different characters and just tell it in the same universe, the same time period. You can refer to events of the first season if you want to, but you don't have to continue the first season. Just tell another story in that universe. The season of Watchmen on HBO is what the movie wished that it was, but it absolutely wasn't.
2: It was good. I enjoyed the movie a lot. The M- movie was okay. It, it, was,
3: it was a faithful adaptation of the
1: comic. Eh, there were plenty of changes that I think were were unnecessary. There, and I there can were, tell
2: you, you know... I, there I, were, I, I changes you, the like, there were changes from the source material. There were changes, like V for Vendetta, had changes to the source material that were absolutely warranted. Yeah, because mm-hmm. they were so dated to the '80s. All right, let me let me ask you well, something. Yeah. Are, are,
3: was was the different ending a problem for you? Um, I, the, the different ending was a bit of a problem for me. Yeah, I, I liked it. I thought I thought it worked a lot better than the comic did.
2: Again, uh, it, the comics had their own. Yeah, V and Watchmen both had their own endings. Well, there. the TV show, the it TV not, show they is would a sequel to the comic. It's it not really, screen, right. you know. No, yeah, we're talking about the the, <clears> the movie. <throat> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Zack Snyder, watchman Yeah, yeah ending
1: to the the ending to the movie was quicker than the ending to the comic book. It was it was more simple, more streamlined. It was the kind of change, <clears throat> excuse me, the kind of change that you need to make if you're going to squeeze that twelve issue series into a movie, into a yeah. single movie. That was one of the changes they had to make. Another thing that I didn't love about the movie is it was very Zack Snyder, yeah. very Zack Snyder
3: but we weren't sick of him yet when it came
1: out. <laughs> <laughs> not by then. No. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I don't, I don't love the movie. I'm, I'm not saying that I hate the movie, but I don't love the movie. I was very, very glad <clears throat> when the HBO series made it very clear that they were following off of the comic instead of yeah. the movie. And it was, it was brilliant. A second season, another story told in that universe. If they told it just as well as the first season, I'd, I'd be there day one, but it was impressive,
3: very impressive to me. When I, I forget who made who made the the, the TV show, uh, Lindelof, I think Lindelof. Oh, that's right, the Devil himself. Um, yeah,
4: <laughs> you were surprised <laughs> that you liked anything that Lindelof. I made,
3: was. Yeah. I was. I mean, <laughs> Lost, lost <laughs> was
2: really um, good. So uh, anyway,
3: <laughs> I love. Yeah, um, I, I am a Lost I,
2: lover. I was. John and I are of uh, uh, you know, we're the same on that one. I was very impressed
3: (laughs) when, when the TV series Watchmen ended and Lindelof said, I'm done. This was the story I wanted to tell. Right. If, if there's another story, I'll be happy to do a second season, but this story is done. And that impressed the hell out of me because I had very little respect left for Lindelof after the Star Trek debacle. And, uh, and and lost i'm sorry guys i i just wasn't the audience for it i couldn't get into it i'll tell you I'm not this saying thing was bad it just it just wasn't it just wasn't my bad. no and
2: i get it you know what it was and i've said this on this podcast before it was one of these shows that my wife she loved it so it was a genre show that i could watch with my wife mm-hmm. and we watched every episode right to the end like right to the the mediocre, non-satisfying end. But <laughs> oh, yeah, so, it, I have a you lot know of what?
4: problems with the last season. I'll but, tell
2: you yeah. what. I'll tell you what. You know, when John discovered the bunker at the, the the you know, you know, last season, episode one, and the light shines up from the ground, like we were both like <gasps> so, and that's not something I often share with my wife. So that's why I love lost because it's something that we both love together. Like when, when, when not Penny's boat and he holds his hand up, Yeah, like we were both like, yeah. <gasps> so we don't <laughs> do that a lot together. So show. We got,
3: yeah, I, we, yeah. I'm, I'm actually surprised my wife didn't watch lost because that's, it seemed, you know, she loved heroes. Like I didn't care for heroes, but I was in the room
2: when it was on a lot.
1: The first um, season was great. The rest of them were absolute. Yeah, uh, it's
2: it like a got... disconnect that my wife has, though. She did not think that X Files wasn't science fiction series because, because she liked it and she doesn't like science fiction. <laughs> Therefore, it's not a science. <laughs> and I, I said, X Files is. She's like, no, it's not. And I'm like, yes. Like, I had to convince her that she liked science fiction because yeah. <clears throat> to her, science fiction is like Ray Guns and Go Go Boots. And she's like, I got no, I got no truck with that. Yeah, You're welcome. He Uh said it.
1: He said the phrase. Oh. All
4: right, Chris, what would be your, uh, what would be your second wish?
2: We're talking about what if, Um, if I could, I mean. I would want a seventh book in the Earthsea series. So we've tried to have, I think, a couple of adaptations of Earthsea. um, And they've all been spectacular failures, like what not to do, I feel like. But as a book reader, I thought the fourth book in Earthsea was like so insulting to the first three. And then years later, I got on board with it thinking how... Ursula Le Guin, who wrote the books, might see it as a woman writing in a man's world and writing in like a genre fantasy world where all the wizards are men who have beards and they're all knowing. And she's like, she's always turned that trope on its head. So then the fourth book, Tienu, was just like, I hated it. I freaking hated it. It was until until I got some perspective because I wasn't so invested in the original trilogy and then tales of Earthsea, which was a, like a basically a collection of short stories that took place in the universe that introduced new facets to it. And then there was a song of earth sea. I think it was song of earth sea, but whatever the last Earthsea book was imagine if your favorite Favorite thing in the world had a last thing, and it was every bit as much as you wanted it to be and better. Like that to me was the last Earthsea. So if I can see, like, give me Earthsea Seven on screen, like with Ursula in charge, she's gone now, obviously, but I want to see a continuation of the Earthsea universe.
3: Well, okay. this genie didn't say you can't bring people back to life, so. Who said that? I said this
1: genie didn't say that. The genie did Man. not say that you can't resurrect.
2: Yeah, so give me Ursula Le-, Le Guin because when she wrote Earthsea and she even said, you know, like um, she was doing it because her bu- her publisher asked her to do it. But she, because it's, it's freaking Ursula Le-, Le Guin. Like she did it in a way that made it so that it was like timeless and that you could have like all those fantasy tropes, but then explore like different ideas in that universe. So she capitalized on it before her death in a way that was amazingly good. If we could have like just a little bit more of an extension of that universe, that's what I would like um that is so niche and so i'm sorry it's not going to appeal to many many probably most of our listeners but if i, I could I have do- like i would say it would be like a book seven of earth sea how old were you when you read those books my first when i read uh, when i read wizard of earth sea yeah 12 13 yeah exactly is, that's why it's my shit yeah, and and that and that's what we were and, talking about earlier. I yeah. tried to read them far too late in life, and was just you know like, this that's why right. I tried to I I tried to read Harry Harry Potter too far too late in life, and I was just like I read this. It's called A Wizard of Earthsea, you know, yeah. yeah. So like I yeah, read he, it. And
4: it was called Star Wars.
2: Yeah, get is my
3: hero.
4: <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Star Wars with shitty lightsabers. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's the title of the episode.
4: (laughs) Don't don't tell my daughter I said
3: that. (laughs) It's the same with
2: um, uh, the Narnia books. I you know I tried. I read read those at the same time, Rick. And here's the thing: I'll give you I'll give you that. But as an adult, rereading like because I've reread so many things in my library, Earthsea still holds up. I reread Narnia, and I'm like, wow, this is. Garbage. This is like kid garbage. Like, I can still get on board with everything in Earthsea. Narnia is just a kid's fantasy. It's YA. It's just YA. Yeah. It's YA with Jesus, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So, I, I feel like Earthsea holds up, Narnia does not. And I still love Narnia. I love it. Because it was, they were like my favorite book. They were a lot of my favorite books uh, growing up. I still have the the entire set. It's in my library. But yeah, it's it is no Earthsea. It's just not. See, part of my problem,
3: and uh, problem maybe is not the right word. You know, we always talk about how like our our spouses don't necessarily like what we like, and it's you know, it's it's. Listen, wherewind. my
2: spouse hasn't liked what I've liked since nineteen ninety nine. <laughs> so i go to the opera alone i go to the movies alone it's <laughs> fine we're still good you know we're going to be on our, our 30th wedding anniversary yeah. in january we're oh, we're, we're fine she doesn't but, but, have to like what i like <laughs> but the, the reason i bring it up is you
3: know i my wife is as big a nerd as i as i am you know we you know she's the anime fantasy nerd i'm the heart i'm the science fiction star trek nerd but we you know we both like to 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 enjoy each other's stuff, but thinking about it, I, my parents, well, my, I, I, you know, my father died when I was 14 and they divorced when I was two. So I don't really know other than Tarzan, what my dad was into. Um, but my mother was absolutely not in any way into, into science fiction. And I think maybe that's why a lot of the, the, the young, you know, the books that a lot of y'all have read, read as kids, I didn't read, not because I was barred from it, but I just didn't know they existed.
2: I, you know what? I feel like the same because my parents, I had like Brady Bunch childhood. Like my parents loved me. I loved them. We had a very well done, but they were not readers. So when I discovered books, I discovered everything by myself for the first time, starting at maybe age 13 to 14. So like things that you say that you were raised on, not you, Rick, specifically, but a lot of genre fans say, I was. Ra- oh, I was raised on Lord of the Rings. I came to that by myself. I was raised on this, that, the other thing. I came from a house that had no books in it. And my mom would say to me, literally, this is what she would say. Why are you wasting your money buying books? And I said, all right, I'll go buy drugs. <laughs> and that shut her up. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> but that's the thing. Now I have a whole library upstairs, like 30 years collecting books and reading books. And my dad was just like, this is this, like, I they say it's a hobby. And he's like, this is not a hobby for you, right? And I'm like, dad, it, it's my life. This is me. Like, books are me. And he, fi- he like, he finally got it, you know? But well, it's look, just like, yeah. But they would, yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm sorry, like like Bronx people, not a lot of money. Books are in the library or school. That's it. Why would you go buy a book? Because you read it once, you're gonna, you're done. But I'm like, why wouldn't you buy a book? Because you might want to go back to it. And there's been countless, countless times when I've been thinking about things or thinking about like different weird juxtapositions of ideas and thoughts, and whatever, and I say, they explored it this way in this book, and this way in this book, and I go to my shelves, and they're actually there, like, I can go and, like, explore different ideas, based on what I've read over the last, you know, 30 years, and say, okay, this author said it this way, this author said it this way, but it's, it's just, it's amazing, and that's something my mom And my dad will never get as, you know, like, like blue, blue collar, poor kids from the Bronx. Like I got, I got to buy books. That's how I feel. I got to go and buy books. You know, let let, let me clarify.
3: My my mom was not anti book. We, you know, I had plenty of books, but she just, you know, she, you know, it was, uh, 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 you know, fear flying and, and stuff like that. Although. I just remembered there was one, I think I was 12, which was again, my mom had no clue what was age appropriate. <laughs> There's a, lot, a lot of the scars I have from movies I saw way too young. Um,
1: are you all familiar with Heinlein at all?
2: Have you all read uh, in, in,
1: Enough to follow what you're about to say.
2: Only I I've read one book by Heinlein and which I one? didn't like it. Which one? The cat that cat the cat that oh, walks the
1: cat through, that walls. Walk through walls. I yeah, yeah I haven't I haven't read that one yet. I know um, I read Starship Troopers. Starship
3: Troopers was good. Um, there's a book called Time Enough for Love. I've heard of that. Yeah. That oh God. <laughs> okay. He- Heinlein was very much it was very. How do I put this? Polyamory is a a mainstay in Heinlein's books. Uh, Stranger in a Strange Land I think is is brilliant, but it's. It, it it does not hold up to the test of time as far as, you know, uh, uh, gender norms and, you know, male, female stuff like that. There's a book called Time Enough for Love. It follows the, the 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 life story of an immortal guy by the name of Lazarus Long. My mother thought because it was science, and I don't know if she even read it. I, I can't even remember because I remember I tried. She gave it to me when I was like 12. And I remember getting as getting as far as a, a, a one of the characters saying "Buy Beelzebub's brass balls," and I, I like checked out. Um, <laughs> and then I read the book much later, after she had passed away. And it uh, this Lazarus Long is you know he's he's immortal, and it goes mm. through a lot. And there's a scene where there are two twins who are. Descendants of his, they're twelve years old, and he sleeps with them. And it's not quite that blatant, but it's like very heavily implied. And even for a, a horny twenty-something reading the book, I was like, "Dude, that is what—that is a line you don't cross." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I would I, I would recommend anyone to read Time Enough for Love and just try to put it in the or not Time Enough for Love uh, Stranger in a Strange Land especially read the the unedited version, it's really good. A uh, Friday is one of my all time favorite books, but again you have to put it into the context of when it was written. Heinlein one one of my favorite quotes and 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 then I'll let this go. One of my favorite quotes uh, my friend Dave has on 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 one of the walls in his house it says women and cats will do as they please and men should just get get learned to deal with it and that is a very Heinlein quote the 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 it's you know you know the 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 phrase when
2: men were men and women were women no no it's when men were men and women were secretaries and that's Zelazny for me, but anyway.
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, again, you know, he was he was writing in the in the 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 sixties and seventies. Yeah. Um, but all the men in, in Heinlein's books are hyper masculine and all the women in Heinlein's books are hyper-feminine, and you know, never
2: the twain shall meet, but there there is some good in there, but I you know, yeah, All you, I can it, say is, you know, yeah, read the corrective um TNU, which is the fourth book of verse and then um the uh, wow, Tales of Earthsea, Fifth, and Other Wind, which brought everything full circle. So, yeah, and and sorry, I didn't mean to take this <laughs> this show into the
3: depths of hard science fiction.
4: <laughs> My yeah, second I, wish would be, uh, <laughs> oh boy. Okay, so you you all know that I'm a pretty big fan of Stephen King, I especially. That's how we met. That's that's why
2: that's why you and I are together right now. Yeah,
4: especially the 80s and 90s and a lot of the 2000s uh, stuff that he wrote. But um, I'll be the first to say that even though he's got some great books, a lot of his books and stories have been made into some of the worst films and TVs and TV shows that uh, that I've ever seen. But his magnum opus is the Dark Tower series of novels which has always <laughs> been has always been <laughs> that's because you know you haven't read it
2: um, I, no no i read i yeah, listen I'm, I'm i didn't say a word you didn't have to stop it was just me doing this <laughs> chris
4: is flipp- Chris is flipping me off <laughs> i say magnum opus because it's eight novels it's eight really mostly most of the novels are like this thick they're um, really
2: really bad novels too so no
4: they're not okay uh they they did end up making a movie uh a few years ago with idris elba and matthew mcconaughey and it wasn't a terrible movie but it was a really bad adaptation because and i kind of knew that it would be because how do you take an eight novel series and turn it into a 90-minute film
1: well here's um, the question sean and, and this is a legitimate question because i have not read the books and i have not seen the movie but from things that read about it was it an adaptation or was it the next sequel? Yeah.
4: Yeah. yeah okay. it, it it was kind of, it was kind of um, both. I mean, it had a lot of yeah. the elements from the books in there,
2: and which what, it had what, to. Like King said, it was like there's the turnings of the wheel. And this mm. was one version of the car or whatever it is that. So it, this could be a legit version of his gunslinger in another turning of the wheel. So even it does it, it doesn't match, a, match up to what Sean was expecting, it still is in that you know purview where you can say, this might have happened in some reality. It has some that's, good that's, stuff in that's, there. That's what I got from it. I you liked
4: know? it. I liked Idris Elba as Roland. I wouldn't mind seeing him play that part again. I liked Matthew McConaughey. I mean, I like Matthew McConaughey in the- most most of the stuff that he's in um but i would really like to see the dark tower done as a series as like a streaming series or something i'd like to see them do 10 episodes on each one of the books you know um maybe not the gunslinger because the gunslinger is the first novel and it's the shortest one i think it could easily be part like you could do one season that would be the first two books and then every season after that get their own uh you know be their own book but uh i would i would love to see the dark tower made into a like an hbo series and there's been rumors that that's something that they're going to do for years uh they were originally supposed to ron howard was supposed to be making a series of the dark tower and they ended up releasing the idris elba film instead and now there's talks of them doing it again but like i said earlier a lot of the stuff that we've been hearing talked about for years since uh there's a lot of changes to the streaming platforms and yeah the writer strike and all that kind of stuff a lot of this stuff is being announced says now we're not doing that mm. you know uh so i would not expect i would not be surprised to hear uh we're not going to make the stark tower show um and because they they did a a uh a mini series of the stand a couple of years ago and it wasn't great in my opinion uh um, i liked i like the original the
2: uh the uh the network tv stand
1: well, it was a uh, uh, no, this, they, this is more recent. Uh, had a uh, uh, whoopee Goldberg in it. I can't remember who else, yeah. Was I'm
2: it, thinking Gary Sinise and uh, Lord, no, that was the 90s. Yes, back yeah, from that, the 90s. That was back, yeah. In the I 90s. like that's that's my stand right there,
4: yeah, yeah. See, they 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 made a more recent version that came out sometime in the last two or three years, and it was not great, or at least what I saw of it. I, I, I to be fair, to be fair, um, I only saw the first. Maybe three episodes out of ten or fifteen episodes, I think. But like I said, they they adapt a lot of Stephen King stuff, and the stuff that they make is crap. And it came and it came from good source material. Um, so,
2: yeah, I'm not a fan. But I want I want uh, I want to see fans. I want to
4: see a Dark Tower series.
1: You don't want to see a Lawnmower Man series based off of the. Uh, Jeff Fahey, <laughs> movie?
2: Pierce Brosnan. Uh, I can I can pass on that one.
1: But um, okay, but the let's sequel, do the sequel to that movie is one of the worst movies I've ever seen.
2: <laughs> <laughs> if they could do a stand thing, like like where it, it, I I just feel like this is where like as a reader, Sean, you come up against Hollywood. Like if you can just do the books faithfully i just want to see that and i feel like peter jackson brought us that with lord of the rings i mm-hmm. the first time i saw fellowship i was in my 40s maybe yeah 30s 40s when, when did fellowship come out
4: 2000 i think 2001
2: yeah, so I maybe was, yeah i was in my 30s yeah it, 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 it was, was the end it, of 2001 so yeah. it was everything that was in my mind's eye since i was 14 but you see what I'm yeah. saying? If you can get, like, for you, like, the stand, like, that's your shit. Like, if you can get someone to get it where it looks like it is perfect to what you've always imagined it to be, you, yeah, keep on with that hope. I felt like the HBO adaptation of Game of Thrones was that way because at the end of the very first episode, they had Jamie pushing Bran out the window. And I always said, if they ever did an ad- adaptation of Game of Thrones, they're going to hedge on that. Because nobody wants to have one of your main characters be a child killer. You know what they did? They did it. They just had him be a f- <phone rings> child killer.
4: Well, and, yeah, some, yeah. But sometimes, like, uh, I mean, with the with the recent adaptation of It, I mean, there's a very famous scene in that book that they wisely did not put in the movie yeah are you talking about the love
2: train yeah (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) i'm not saying every every book should be adapted but i feel like if you capture the spirit of the book Mm -hmm. then you should and if the book does not pull any punches then maybe you shouldn't either all right. So I don't know why they all had a bang Bev. We had this discussion during the, uh, you know, 11, podcast. It was just like, yeah, we don't. Yeah. Why did they have to have all that kid sex in the book? I don't know.
4: But well, the problem is that Stephen yeah. King over the years has just. He's allowed anybody that wants to make a movie of his stuff to make it. I mean, just, yeah. Oh, you want to make a movie of this? Yeah. Make it. And and then he doesn't really have a whole lot of creative control over what they do. Well, I mean, fam- thing, famously, no- he hates the uh, he hates the uh, Kub- Kubrick version of The Shining, mm-hmm. which it.
2: is the best version of his work ever made. So that's that's what's weird about it. Like I saw like the the TV adaptation of The Shining, the miniseries with Stephen Weber. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. Dog shit. It's well, awful. that was
4: the that was a fad in the night in the in the late 80s and the 90s. Every year there was a Stephen King miniseries. That's what that's when I, how we got the stand, the Tommyknockers, the yeah. you know, the shining,
2: Langoliers, the
4: Langoliers. Yeah.
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I, I feel like Stephen King is not the best judge of his own work on screen. So I feel like the fans are better, and I feel like um, if it captures the spirit of the original work. That I'm okay with it if there are some changes. Kind of like, like
1: yeah. HBO's Watchmen. Uh
2: that, I've that only ca- seen yeah, I've only seen the, the like the first two episodes of that. So the, the
1: the the spirit of the of the the comic series, that twelve issue series was showing through super strong in that in that first season. They they got the tone dead on. And I think that's what helped it succeed so much.
4: We're going to do our last, uh, wish, but we're going to do it abbreviated.
1: me Light,
2: round <laughs> style. Um,
4: and Rick has stepped away, uh, for a minute. So I'm going to go to Scott. Scott, what would be your third and final wish with your media genie?
1: Uh, this final wish is going to be a, uh, a slight crossover <clears throat> with, uh, with our sister podcast. That's our Trek podcast. And my wish would be to somehow be involved in Star Trek in some way. Oh, okay. Just somehow. This is a wish for me. I want to be involved with Star Trek. I, I don't care what it is, but to be involved in the franchise in some way. Now, a best case scenario would be to get uh, permission and support and backing from uh, Paramount or or, you know, Alex Kurtzman, whatever the case may be, to bring my my Star Trek radio series to the podcast world and make that a thing. Because for years I've been wanting, I've never sat down to write the script for it, but I've always been toying with the idea of making a Star Trek radio show built on the framework of the original dragnet radio show from the 50s
4: like you a follow- police procedural in the yeah. star trek universe
1: yeah you, you, you follow not a starfleet security officer but a federation security officer and his partner they have their own ship called the uss web named after jack webb from dragnet because i'm <laughs> clever as hell and they go around to different places and they're and and they're they're working cases and they're solving crimes, and it's all done, you know, in audio format. You get you get foley for the sound effects, maybe get a little music here and there, and yet the opening would be the same as an opening of an episode of Dragnet, and even work in advertisements because I've got the the entirety of the original Dragnet radio show. Uh, I got it from from Audible years ago, and the recordings of these Dragnet episodes include the cigarette ads that they would put like three times per episode and they're all in there yeah so you got to make fake ads for like ferengi uh hyperion beetle snuff (laughs) (laughs) and it i i think it would be a fun time i think there's a a lot of entertainment that could be mined from it people who remember and enjoy dragnet would like it it have a lot of deep cuts for star trek fans i think that'd be fun but that's the that's the best case scenario all the rest would be just involved in some way. Just, just just let me be a part of Star Trek. Some please. That that's
2: my wish.
4: Chris, you're Humming the theme to the Alfred Hitchcock presents and
2: not. No, Dragnet. I think it was I was actually humming a uh, Perry Mason theme. So. Oh yeah, Perry Mason. Ba-bum, yes, ba-bum, so that's what it was. I knew it was a Dragnet, but I couldn't quite place it. But uh, so I yeah, it, just... it was not Dragnet. But he was singing Dragnet, so yeah.
4: Speaking of which, Perry Mason also got
2: axed. Cancelled. Yeah, it's not so, long ago, but, so sad. Yeah.
4: Okay, Rick. We uh we're doing our third wish. We're doing it uh, abbreviated style. So.
3: <laughs> yeah, this this one shouldn't, what shouldn't be your take third too wish? long. <laughs> A few years back, it was announced that Neil Blomkamp, who who did District 9, um was going to do an alien movie with Sigourney Weaver who was totally on board and very enthusiastically on board. Uh that was going to ignore all of the crap that came out after Aliens and pick up right after that. And then uh it didn't happen i want that to happen i want an alien i want an alien sequel that doesn't suck that doesn't treat <laughs> the characters like the author hates them like everything Ridley Scott has done from Prometheus on uh i want an alien that is not ripley sleeping with an alien or aliens i want an alien <laughs> sequel that does justice to the characters that doesn't kill Newton Hicks in between the movies. Uh, And, and I think, you know, I, I never saw Chappie. I, I hear it was fine. It was the kind of movie that would make me very unhappy. So I didn't want to watch it. Mm. Uh, But I think Blanc, I thought district nine was genius and I would love to see what he would do with the alien series
4: all right well i mean if they can, if they can come back and do um um uh, they did a new uh predator movie um last year yeah they did Prey last year if they can that come back great. after that amount of time and do a, a predator movie and it's good and it's better than the last few that they've made they could do the same thing with alien
1: i mean yeah, what, wasn't prey dan trachtenberg
4: um
3: uh, let me see Pray. I
1: don't know who did it, but I
3: it was, it was a wonderful.
1: Yes. Yeah. So Trachtenberg did, did prey, which was a fantastic predator movie. He also did 10 Cloverfield lane, which I think is the best of the three Cloverfield movies, which is not that hard because the Cloverfield <laughs> paradox was absolute shit. Oh, that was garbage.
4: Yeah, Ten Cloverfield Lane is a very, very good movie. Yeah, it's a good
2: movie, one, but Cloverfield is a better movie than Ten Cloverfield Lane. Sorry, mm, Clo- Cloverfield was. That it's a solid debate. Took me by supply. supplies, <laughs>
3: supplies. <laughs> it's the place because we we <laughs> it we we
2: supplies.
3: We didn't see it at the movies. We saw it at home. I remember watching it, and I was literally n- seconds away from going. This is boring as hell, and then the Statue of Liberty's head rolled down the yeah, street. Yeah, exactly. Like, all right, no, and that I'm was not. like, wow. Yeah,
2: this just some. That happened in the trailer.
3: <laughs> we saw that. That so, happened in the trailer. It, but it was.
2: It, yeah, I, I
3: wasn't. It wasn't like it was surprising. It was just I was about to check out because the movie was all you know, vapid upper crust New Yorkers having a party. <laughs> but it was yeah.
2: no, no. It was vapid New Yorker upper crust. Blair Witch having a party, <laughs> so yeah, it was yeah. just <laughs> like yeah. So it was like oh, uh, like seeing like you know Kylie Jenner and her feed. Yeah, all of a sudden sexual livery rolls by. You but know? but then so, it became yeah. a really good movie. Yeah. And anyway, everything
3: th- else that they stuck the word Cloverfield on, except for the Ten Cloverfield Lane, which I didn't watch, was was crap. Mm-hmm.
4: Ten Cloverfield Lane was. I mean, it was not supposed to be a Cloverfield movie. It was supposed to be something else. None and J.J. Abrams got a hold of it and decided to make it into the Cloverfield universe, and tacked on the last ten minutes of it. And it, but it, it still is an exceptional movie.
1: Mm-hmm. The I, I have to say, Rick, if, if you've seen the first and the third Cloverfield movies, then I'm sorry that you picked the wrong one as a follow up. Yeah, ten Cloverfield yeah. Lane is solid. It's fantastic. I, I highly recommend it, and it also makes me recommend Dan Trachtenberg as yeah, you know, uh, if you want to revive a series, at least put him on your short list.
4: Pickle and Phil Lane is the movie that I saw that made me realize that John Goodman is an actor. He's not oh. just a comedian. He's well, an actor. Let, let me, let me I, you know,
2: the the Coen Brothers got got me to realize that. Yeah, yeah, he's he was. Not, good he's enough, not yeah. just Dan. You know.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I, I realized it before encounter. that, but it's a it's a great example. He he nails yeah. it
2: in ten. He's <laughs> so it, good, that. It I, looked like I, a goddamn Barton Fink.
3: Yeah. Jesus Christ, he was so
2: good in that. Yeah. 10 Cloverfield
3: Lane looked like a movie about a, a man keeping a woman prisoner, which did not appeal to me at all. Is that not true?
1: I
2: mean, that's an uh, element of it. No, it, it didn't. I mean, she was there because she wanted to be, and she, she was a know what, prisoner. But she did not know that she had options and she had no clue and she had someone else who was in the same situation.
4: Yeah. She wasn't the only one being held. There was a male, a male being held there too. So,
2: but in what way is it intriguing science fiction? He was convinced that there was like something going on and he said alien invasion outside and they were in a bunker where they had no direct way to confirm that. And, Spoiler, do you want spoilers? We're gonna give because the more you talk about it, the less I want to watch it. No, everybody not... spoilers when she finds more we talk about it. We've literally
4: said it is an exceptional yeah. movie, but yeah. the more but, we talk about it, the by, less you
2: okay. Watch. Okay, here, here, here's the, the <laughs> time she <laughs> escapes, she escapes, and the aliens are gonna blow her freaking head off. Yeah,
4: yeah. The Cloverfield so, aliens are out there. Yeah, yeah. So, so
2: they're there. He was right the entire time. He was not a good guy, he was not like a, a righteous guy, but. He was keeping them safe, and then she finally escaped. And oh my god, they're gonna freaking kill me! That's what was so good about the movie. But you, you guys,
3: th- th- I think this is the disconnect between y'all and me. You all, and and uh, you know, and 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 this isn't a bad thing. This is just where we differ. Mm-hmm. Y'all talk about like movies that you think are good because the portrayals are great. The acting is really good, and I dig that, and I appreciate that, and I'm glad y'all enjoy it. If it's a story that I that it that is depressing, or terrifying, or makes me supremely uncomfortable, like a guy with people in a bunker, <laughs> not going to enjoy watching the movie.
4: Cloverfield is is action, sci-fi, horror. I mean, there's a lot of horror elements in all those movies.
3: Yeah, and so. And-
4: And that's just another genre of horror that they explore with this with with that middle movie. The first one was more of the Blair Witch found footage type thing. And then the and then the the, the second one is more of a
2: psychological thriller. I don't like a guy keeping his family hostage in a hotel in Colorado over the winter season, which I didn't. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) yeah, But it's an amazing ( treasures) ( geldi) movie. And that's
3: fine. I'm not I'm not saying that it was bad. And and that is something I've been struggling with for years. <laughs> and and I I think I might have mentioned it on this show from, from time to time. Just because I don't like a property doesn't mean I'm saying it's bad. And <laughs> and just because I like a movie, I'm you know, I I Chris, I don't know if you've if you've heard this story. Many, many years ago, there was a movie called Deep Blue Sea. I don't know if you saw it. No. Uh it's a it's a it was a shark movie. It's a very bad shark movie, but I enjoyed it. And I made the mistake of telling my friends I liked it. And then they all went to see it and they all gave me shit because it's a terrible movie, but I enjoyed it. Yeah. And I've had to learn over the years to say, this is not a good
2: movie, but I liked it. Or that's right. You're this on, a I drive
4: my friends to the Psycho remake. So, yeah, I can't yeah. see so, And
2: I tell my friends everything that I love. And I'm like, you know what? Deal
4: okay and Chris, um, do, yeah. your, uh, do, do your third <laughs> wish because i gotta get out of
2: here <laughs> <laughs> so we did quantum leap we did earth sea so uh my third wish um i would love an eighth season of ds9 mm. that was or or just like oh, the cure yeah. the cure forget that the cure and the reese chronicles I want to see I want to see Kira in some way highlighted in some kind of series, whether it be DS9 season eight or during the uh, Cardassian occupation, Uh, because to me, Kira is the embodiment of Kirk. She is like the extension of TOS. I love Kira like beyond reason, like like it, it goes to me. It goes Kirk, Kira, and then like Cisco and everybody else. Because I feel like Kira is so badass. She's so driven. She's so her that I want to see, like, tales of her, like, living through either the aftermath of everything we saw on DS9 with the Dominion War or her being with the occupation with the Cardassians. So I would love to see. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to to
3: see
4: Star Trek Kira.
3: (laughs) And and I, I, I don't know about going back. Because then they'd have to recast. But I would love to see Nana Visitor playing Kira. In, and honestly,
2: in, if they have to go back, give me somebody that's an like a younger Kira and give me Nana as like a, a framing device. That would work. But yeah. just give me, honestly, I just want more Nana. That's all yeah. I want. Give me more, more Nana. 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 In, in in any in any form you can give it to me. Yeah. And I know that she
3: she would be totally down for it. Everything I've seen. Yeah. She would she would love to revisit that character.
0: It's but it's like, a shame like, that
3: René Aubergenois is gone because that would be awesome, the two of them together. I never yeah, liked yeah. them as a couple, but I love them
2: as a pair. Yeah. That, they, that they, they, didn't,
1: they didn't like them as a couple either.
3: Yeah, Yeah.
2: I love that as a couple, especially when um, Odo just like like rained on her in her quarters. Like (laughs) he was just like an effervescent like cloud, and this is oh, this is who I am, and she accepted that. And I feel like again, Kira is like she is Kirk for DS Nine. Like she is, and I always felt like DS Nine was carrying on the legacy of TOS, where TNG could not. So they 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 brought some of the cowboy stuff in and I always felt like Kira and I especially love when she's like James Kirk. Who is that? Like never heard of him. <laughs> yeah. You know what? You're James Kirk. You are James Kirk. So yeah. So like Kira, like Kira is the shit. So give me just give me a Kira series. <laughs>
1: Coming 2025 to Paramount yeah. Plus Star Trek. Nerese. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
4: All right, my last one would be that I would erase from existence Islander the Source.
0: <laughs> I,
4: I'm, I mean, I'm a big fan of the first Highlander movie with uh, mm-hmm. Christopher Lambert, and oh, uh, yeah. it's brilliant. All the films that came after that were problems. The TV oh, yeah. show was good, TV show was great, and after the show ended, they made two movies that combined the TV show and the films together the first one was highlander endgame and it wasn't bad um but it was okay i mean that could have been the ending it should have been the ending and and then they made the source yeah endgame
1: was pretty bad endgame was pretty bad they didn't need to do that the gathering which was the two-hour uh pilot for the series which Mm -hmm. did have christopher lambert in it that was fine the series was good but you can cut out highlander 2 you can cut out Highlander, um, uh, the sorcerer.
4: They made Highland the final the, dimension.
1: Yeah, uh, they sorry, made sorry. it. Yeah, the, the sorcerer is an alternate title for the final dimension. You can cut that one out too. Cut they out made
4: that game. to try and fix what they did with the second one.
1: <laughs> right. The only thing uh, Because the it kind of
4: takes place between the two. But
3: The only thing that was worth a damn in the second one was the scene where Sean Connery and Christopher Lambert wake up inside the the whatever they were infiltrating and they were comparing who got shot the most. That was funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the rest of it was absolute dreck, but that was funny. That scene was funny.
4: But um, they made this in 2007. They made the source and it's one of the worst movies I've ever seen. And it wasn't even theatrically released. I think it was just on the sci-fi channel. And um, they tried to retcon things to say that when they say there can be only one that they're not talking about, This showdown of all the immortals together that they're actually saying that there's only one that can harness the source. And so they're trying to, they're trying to go to it and there's a guardian that they have to defeat to get through it and all that. The closer that they get to it, they become mortal again and that kind of stuff. And,
1: The, the guardian yeah, was that wears a great bad. big, huge collar around his neck to prevent a sword from taking his head off. And as he walks through, like the tombstones in the cemetery in the background, you hear him intoning the lyrics to "Who Wants to Live Forever."
3: Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I didn't watch any bad. of the, any of the movies after Highlander Two. And it sounds like I'm glad I didn't.
1: Yeah, well, Highlander right.
4: three was bad, but it was I was a teenager when I saw it. I saw it in the theater, and I remember enjoying it because uh because it was a Highlander movie, it had Mario Van Peoples in it, and uh, and uh and it was I mean it was decent, but it was it was better than two. I can tell you that it was better
1: than That's two. That's not a
3: high bar to <laughs> it, it, it's
1: not, and it didn't clear it by much, but it was technically yeah. better than two. There's, Aren't they it,
3: working on a, a new Reboot with Henry uh, Henry Cavill. I
1: I've heard I've heard rumors of a, a reboot with Henry Cavill. I don't know if it's gonna it's probably gonna be a movie rather than television. But yeah, I have heard yeah. there's gonna be a, a a revival. I I think that there's they, they could like mine the television series. They could do a, a TV revival of it. Uh, and you don't you don't need to necessarily bring anyone back but i adrian paul is still around you can bring him yeah, back he's Duncan there. And just and, and you, you can have him be a supporting character and have someone else be be the lead in new highlander series there's there's dog. so really so much you can do with the series just don't just yes do what sean is saying just erase the source you were right it never got a theatrical release it was a sci-fi original movie and it shows because the quality of everything is rock bottom it's Bad in pretty much every every metric. It's a bad movie, and they should delete it and then try yeah. to revive the series better than that.
4: The only problem with bringing the series back is, I mean, that and that's the thing that they do now that they're they're trying to bring back all these old series and like do sequel series to them. The only problem is that Duncan's supposed to be immortal and not age, and Adrian Paul is much older than he was when he was on that show, so. <laughs> you Uh, it's
1: you create a new and a new as yet unseen ending to the series where he won the contest and he was the last
4: and became mortal like they did in two yeah Yeah, and
1: and what we find out (laughs) is that when when an immortal becomes the last immortal standing they are granted mortality so they age and then they are sent To a different dimension to a different earth in a different dimension an earth where the contest is still going on and now they are a former immortal living on an earth where immortals are still around and still having their contest there you go there's your series premise bang done look at that
4: and now he's a watcher
1: exactly (laughs) and the winner of the previous contest begins or or joins and because the watch has been around for centuries, joins and leads the Watchers on a Earth that is new to him. Begin your series. Done. Look at that.
3: You know what's one? <laughs> what what's the greatest thing about Highlander is that the first movie should not have worked. It sh- you know you've got a first well hey, movie- I don't
4: I don't think it was successful in the theaters. I yeah, don't it think was, I got it a, got no, It got a cult following.
3: No, it was it okay. it, it absolutely worked. Mm-hmm. I I was there. Okay. <laughs> I remember okay. when it came out. Um, you know, we had Christopher Lambert, a Frenchman playing a Scotsman, not very well. And then you had Sean Connery, <laughs> Sean Connery a, a Scotsman, Scotsman playing a Spaniard, playing an Egyptian pretending to be a Spaniard.
1: Right, right.
3: <laughs> Everything about that movie was doomed to fail, but it <laughs> <laughs> For some reason, there was an alchemy that made that movie brilliant and we all loved it. I remember reading a, a review before I saw the movie, who was uh, 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 a reviewer, I don't remember who it was, complaining about the MTV editing of the film. <laughs> and, you know, you watch it, and you know, the, the spinning around and all, you know, and the then the sharp cuts and stuff. That was all new. We, you know, that was, that was not anything we'd seen before. And I, you know, I love Christopher Lambert. I would love to give him a big hug and hang out with him, but he is not a good actor. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, what what was the line? You know, the, the, the guys like, were you, were you, you know, were you giving out blowjobs? You know, why are you looking for a, you know, are you looking for a date or something? I mean, the dude (laughs) is awful and and the girl in the movie i can't remember i can't remember her the 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 character's name or the actress's name she was horrible also there was nothing about that movie that should have worked but it was brilliant and we loved it and we all all of my friends and i we saw it multiple times um it may you know, I, I may be wrong it may have just you know been a cult thing that we all enjoyed but i i think it did great i think it it really succeeded it must have it spawned several crappy sequels and a TV series. Um, I would love to see a new Highlander done well. Mm -hmm. That's why when I heard, when I heard there was going to be a reboot, I was like, Oh, (laughs) sorry. Um, But then when they said Henry Cavill was attached, I'm like, that is a a ray of hope.
1: Yeah. Fun bit of trivia to wrap up the Highlander discussion, the creator of Highlander of the characters and the storyline also the creator of The Prophecy, starring Christopher Walken. If anyone's seen or heard of that movie, which spawned four sequels. Uh, but Christopher Walken playing um, playing the angel Gabriel. Oh, <laughs> boy. oh that reminds me. There, there, there's a new Constantine movie coming out. Wait, is 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 Keanu doing a sequel?
3: Yeah, yeah,
1: Yep. I've heard about that.
3: The, the The reason that reminded me is I, I, you know, I don't know. Is Tilda Swinton involved? Because that was the first time so. I saw her was was in Constantine, and yeah, she same. was the only thing that was worth a damn in that movie.
4: Mm. I don't think so. I think she. I think her character died in uh, Constantine, didn't she, she? Was Gabriel?
3: Well, can,
1: can so an Archangel I, I, die? <laughs> I honestly don't remember it's Anything a movie based it. off of a comic book. There no is
4: I yeah, but I do I do think uh, I, I I have not seen her name attached to it. I saw something about it a while a couple weeks ago. But all right, that does it for tonight. Uh however, we will return soon to continue our slider's retrospective. I promise. I know I've said that a few times now, but it's going to happen. Uh also we have a new show coming to the network that will be will be hosted by Nick Yeager. Uh, she's not here tonight, but it is called Moon Show and it is our retrospective of the first uh three seasons of For All Mankind. And then uh going forward it will be uh talking about the the each episode as it as it airs. And she yeah. will be hosting that. And yeah. uh yeah. So I want to thank everybody for coming. Rick, why don't you let everybody know where they can find you?
3: Uh you can find me lurking around the vehicle assembly building at uh Cape Kennedy uh until they find me and kick me out again all right scott what about
4: you Where
1: can we find you uh you can find me right here on cosmic potato you can find me hosting or joining uh that star trek podcast occasionally on captain game show and outside of podcast work you can see my graphic artwork on my website www.planetrisecreative.com
4: all right and chris how about you
2: You can find me hosting the Quantum Leap Podcast at quantumleappodcast.com.
4: All right. Thank you all for being with us. Be sure to join us next time on Cosmic Potato, the super fan talk podcast, when you might hear Scott say,
1: you know, with all this talk about genies, Christina Aguilera is a genie. If you rub the bottle, you'll let her out. Aladdin's genie, if you rub the lamp, you let him out. So when we rub babies on the back and they burp, Are we just missing out on a whole bunch of genies?
4: (laughs) Burp genie wishes are not good.
0: (laughs) Thank you for joining us. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. This conversation can serve no purpose anymore. Goodbye. You can find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher.
2: Fredero's gonna leave without giving you a goodbye
0: kiss. Help the show grow by leaving us a five-star rating and a review, or support the show by visiting us at Patreon.com/slash/InfinitePotato. That's the worst goodbye I've ever heard. And you stole it from a movie. Be sure to join us again soon on Cosmic Potato, the Super Fan Talk podcast, brought to you by InfinitePotato.com. Goodbye.